and welcome to episode three of Perspectives Unsettled. I am Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And with us, as always, is our producer, Noah Gray. Always quietly lurking. <laughs> always present. creepy at all. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are talking about short-term mission trips. Uh, just in time for the coronavirus to cancel any sort of international travel or trips that we've had or could plan. Yes, I've had to reschedule a few trips already. Yep. Had to bring back people from trips they were trying to go on. Yep. Um, Emergency turnarounds. Yeah. So as I've been like kind of mentally preparing myself for the, the potential of just being in my house by myself for one to two weeks while we're all quarantined. Um, I was just going to see if you guys had any like cool plans or new hobbies that you're planning on starting uh, while we're all just sitting in our houses by ourselves. I mean, there's always stuff to do, mm-hmm. right? Netflix is an unending library. <laughs> I have a table that I've been trying to build for a year. <laughs> Yeah, so it's there. So maybe this is time. <laughs> maybe it's probably is, not the time. <laughs> you have a golden opportunity yeah, to yeah. finally finish that table. I, I think if we all come back in two weeks or whatever, and it's like, what'd you do? Like, uh, well, I got to start my trial of Amazon Prime yeah. and Disney Plus. And yeah. I think I might be disappointed in, in myself and in both of you. Honestly. Well, I know for a fact you will be disappointed in me because, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of some like really cool, creative response and ambitious goal Mm -hmm. to give as an answer but the reality is it's probably like i'll clean my garage (laughs) and here's the thing go outside a couple times and put mulch down but (laughs) if we're on like a full-on lockdown i mean i'm not even ordering anything (laughs) i can talk about this table all i want (laughs) i don't have legs for it (laughs) yeah it'll probably be like yard work and yeah trying to be out in whatever sun happens to pop out in Evansville, Indiana. Yep, exactly. Yeah, hopefully. My daughter will probably want to play a lot of card games, which Mm. is fine from the standpoint, like, love bonding with my family. (laughs) Love my (laughs) kids. Good to get that in first. Right, but I hate card games. Mm. So I'll, I'll give you a report on that. Yeah. If, if that ends up like happening. normal card games or like, no, like strategy. those speed ones uh, and they're so high stress. I get so anxious <laughs> and then my anxiety quickly turns to anger because mm-hmm. I'm not fast. So maybe, enough. no like games in the Stewart house. Yeah. Explo- yeah if there's no outlet, it could or, be bad. Yeah. yeah. I start calling my kids names. That's never good. Well, so. your daughter also likes to bake, so that could that's true. Could turn I out could, well I for you. Some yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> Kathy. Kathy just went grocery shopping. So <laughs> I'm the one who asked this question. I have zero plans for myself. I have like a pile of books um, that's been sitting by my sofa for a very long time that I'm like, this is it. Now yeah. it's time to shine. Yeah. I don't know. I also just started a new series on Netflix. So we'll see how it goes. Do you have a shelf for those books? Or are they just like sitting on the floor? Like I'm going to read these. They, I, I do have a shelf. These are the books that have come off the shelf. <laughs> Because I'm like, ooh, this is the one. It's no lie, eight books in the pile. Um, and I'm like, these are the ones I'm just going to read now. And those are the ones for later. So nice. again, ambitious. I've, I have low, low hopes for myself. At least there's a little bit level of accountability now that we're talking about this. Right, yeah. You know? yeah. So 
the chances are a little bit higher that this we'll is, actually do something. This is like the carbon offset con- conversation. From <laughs> exactly. Hey, actually, hey. I have started that conversation with Jeff Munting. Hey, so there you know. we go. Yeah. Uh, so how many books do you own that you haven't read? Okay, this is <laughs> this is shaming at this point <laughs> because I just got a bookshelf because I as I moved into my house, I didn't have any furniture. I just got a bookshelf. Still have four boxes of books that do not fit on it. Wow. Many of which I have not read. Wow. So I've, I've been called out right now. <laughs> you might have an opportunity to catch up. I Let's or let's try to work through it. it. Yeah, it. I'm going to try to work through it. Yeah, that's good. If you've been in or around Western Christian culture for very long, you are probably really familiar with the short-term mission trip. You've probably been on one. Upwards of 2 million Americans go on a mission trip every year to developed and undeveloped countries with the intention of serving and sharing the gospel. These trips come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, but the ones that are probably most familiar are the youth group trips that send teenagers to developing countries where they work on service projects and spend time with kids there. A lot of people who end up working in missions credit short-term trips in their youth for igniting the passion. But as more and more people participate in short-term missions, criticism has also increased, and a lot of it is very thoughtful and not unwarranted. Outside observers see Western Christians attempting work they aren't skilled at, spending a lot of money on travel instead of relief, and posting photos from exotic places that read more like group vacations. This kind of volunteerism is criticized as being a means for white Christians to feel proud of themselves while not actually doing much good, or at worst, participating in exploitative industries. Our friend Sarah Bournes is on the board of Uncharted and has a lot of experience with short-term mission trips. Sarah has worked in outreach programs, youth ministry, urban missions. She directed internships at Envision, which is an international missions organization, and directed student missions and discipleship at Simpson University in California. I recently got to sit down with Sarah and talk about the positive and negatives of short-term trips and whether or not it's possible for them to be done well. So we are here with Sarah Bournes, who is a board member of Uncharted and has some expertise in short-term missions. Um, So Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, yeah, I've been a part of the Uncharted board for a year and a little bit now. It's been fun. Um, I currently live in New York City. I just moved there. Um, I was finishing seminary at the Alliance Theological Seminary in Missions. Um, but before that, I worked at um, our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, as the coordinator for internships for students going um, abroad internationally for I said abroad internationally. (laughs) So how did you get involved in working in missions? Yeah, I was uh, really from a little girl. I went to a church that was really globally minded. And so I remember having missionaries on stage and just seeing all their pictures and being really intrigued. And then um, starting, I think around sixth grade, I just, I grew up in Southern California. So I lived just a couple hours North of the Mexico border. And so we, um, as a kid, I would go to Mexico and um, we, you know, did the house building model and 
collected, you know, VBS and things like that. Um, so I did get a picture from a young age of life is really different south of where I lived just a couple hours. Um, and then as I grew up being part of other short-term trips. And so it was through short-term missions that I know God used that to become more involved in um, his big global mission mm -hmm. long-term, not just a, you know, flash in the pan kind of stuff, but it did begin with short-term missions. Cool. Um, so as we begin our conversation about short-term mission trips and criticisms of the criticism, as we start our conversation about short-term mission trips and talk about criticisms and positives, um, first, I think it would be helpful to just have kind of a basic definition. So when we say short-term mission trip, what um, what do you kind of define that as? Hmm. Yeah, it used to be that short-term missions was anything shorter than like three years or four mm -hmm. years, you know, mm -hmm. just that that was the mentality. But now, you know, it's anything that's a couple weeks long. And I think that there's more of a space for midterm missions now, um, you know, between a month and a couple years, more people who are of the mindset of like, you know, a residency, they're really uh, checking it out in a sense of wanting to, to see if this is what they want to do for long term. And so there is a big shift, I think, that happens when you have the uh, posture of going in for a couple weeks versus a month or more. Mm -hmm. um, even at that month mark, you're going to see, you know, there's a different set of expectations you have, a different pace, um, a different schedule even, and, you know, the chance to go through more culture shock and more um, relational building. And so I, when I was working at Simpson University, I had most of our teams go for at least a month and usually it was like six to eight weeks during the summer mm -hmm. just so that they kind of crossed over that hump of like the short-term missions mindset and got a little bit more into, you know, they, they went through the culture shock curve a little bit more. They went through, um, you know, some of the, they actually confronted real missional issues, even, you know, just got a taste of them, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, worked with the team for longer, the team on the ground. Um, and it was less maybe active and, you know, on the go every day that you get on like a one or two week trip mm -hmm. and more of like, okay, we're living here, even if it's a six to eight week thing. Yeah. It definitely becomes less of a vacation kind of mindset mm -hmm. and more of a life, mm -hmm. um, even if it's just for a short term, a short, shorter period of time. Um, so maybe more recently, there have been a lot of criticisms of short-term trips that that come up. Um, and I just wanted to address those with you and hear kind of your perspective on them and how accurate maybe some of them are. Mm. So the first thing that I've heard people claim about short-term trips is that they are ineffective. Um, people spend a lot of money to kind of travel and to go to a different culture um, and don't actually do a whole lot while they're there. Mm. Um, and there's just this idea of like, well, if I'm going to spend all this money on a trip, wouldn't shouldn't I just donate it? Mm. Um, so do you think that's a fair assessment of a short-term trip? Yes and no. I've seen, you know, like all of us, I'm sure we've seen just some of the really, really negatives, really harmful potential. Um, but I always come back to the idea that 
like God sent a person, God sent mm-hmm. Jesus. He, he didn't send money. I don't know how that would work, but like, <laughs> you know, God, God knows the value of relationship to the point that he, Jesus came in the flesh. And so us coming in the flesh, there is a significance to that. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just, you know, yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, in a, in a lot of ways of our measurements, there could certainly be circumstances where sending money is more needed, more important for that, you know, whatever the um, the needs are. But I think there's always, always going to be a value of being present. Mm-hmm. I would also say that if there is the question of, you know, whether it's better for us to go right now or to send funds for this specific project or, you know, need that there is on the ground, that if money is all that there is for the driving force of having a team, then I think that that's a good red flag to just question, is there a point here in having Mm -hmm. a team to begin with? Um, Just to let that kind of raise the question of what are the reasons that we're going if it seems like finances are driving it Mm -hmm. then I think that on both sides there should be a question of um yeah is this partnership more financial than it is um about relational and presence so some people criticize short-term trips because participants go and have have an experience that lasts a week and then come back and and they're not really changed Mm -hmm. or they don't make any sort of effort to continue participating in mission in this place. Mm -hmm. And so I I guess my question is, is that something that can be used to criticize the the whole kind of system of Mm -hmm. short-term trips? Or is that something that's more personal Mm -hmm. in terms of like training? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it certainly begs the question of how you're making that the goal from the beginning or how that how that's weaved into every aspect of the trip the so what's next what's next even before you ever go what is the uh, responsibility even after you return that you're of that mindset before you ever go Mm -hmm. that there's um, a high calling a high expectation another criticism that I've seen aimed at short-term trips is that they can perpetuate um, negative cycles for communities for entire cultures, whether that is creating the sense of dependency on people whenever someone comes in and does something for someone that they could have done themselves, Mm -hmm. whether that is just actively harmful. Mm -hmm. And even in perpetuating these systems of taking advantage of children Mm -hmm. or human trafficking, Mm -hmm. um, not saying that, that people kind of are solely responsible for these, but do you think that participants of mission trips are even somewhat complicit Mm -hmm. in these kinds of cycles being prolonged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so hard because it's like a system, you know, it's not like individual people. We Mm -hmm. go with such clear motives, I think, of, you know, wanting to um, give God glory, love, you know, all those things. But then what can happen is when it's over and over and over and over again that, you know, these kids are seeing a different group every week and, you know, just even the psychology of lack of attachment and things that can happen when it's just a perpetual cycle. Cause our trips stand alone. Like in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just there for a week of love and heart on these kids. And, 
But then when it's, um, you know, the over and over and over again, that's when it's so difficult. And yeah. And then on dependency too, I think that no one really we're, yeah, it is a creating dependency that you can't be dependent unless you're told that you need something that you don't have in a mm-hmm. way. And so, um, what are we telling them, quote unquote, that they need that we have um, instead of uh, what do you have that we can learn from you? And so mm-hmm. that posture of um, of coming as learners, as people who uh, want to see what God is already at work doing instead of hero mindset, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, In all the places you have gone on trips to or have sent people to you, have you ever um, stopped going back to a place because mm-hmm. of some issues like this that you've seen or suspected? Mm. Yeah, when I was working at Simpson University sending college teams out in the summertime, I had a pretty brutal grid of mm-hmm. um, why why we would send a team to a certain location in the first place. Um, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 questions that they kind of had to filter through on what was what needed to be there in order for us to say like this is a partnership that we're willing to engage in for the long haul because we didn't want flash in the pan kind of like we'll do Costa Rica this year and then we'll do Nigeria next year that kind of thing um so it was that we wanted to have those expectations um for the long haul even though it was short trips but over many years and Mm -hmm. I think even still this is probably eight or so years ago there's quite a few places that they've continued to go back year after year after year. Um, and there's ones that, yeah, we would say like, this is not a model that we would want to repeat. And I think one of those was because it was primarily working with children. I actually didn't allow our Simpson teams to work with children, Mm -hmm. um, or at least in like an orphanage setting or in a, um, where that was the primary thing, because I really strongly believe that that is the work of the local church, the local families, leaders. And so how can we be a support to them? How can we catalyze ministry that they are going to be doing with the children? You know, they're mm-hmm. the primary caregivers. So I didn't let our Simpson teams work with stu- uh, with um, with children. And so a couple of them that, you know, they were just doing a VBS and then there would be another team that would come the next week and do VBS. We did mm-hmm. say next to those, but it was, um, you know, I was working with college students. And so the value that they had to offer, um, in working with other college students around the world was so high. So teaching mm-hmm. English and, you know, we did a lot of like, um, cultural exchange kinds of things and sports camps that would be with English speakers and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think just finding ways where the relational value is a lot higher than like the activity and the, we're doing something for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I found that even in, um, the mission trips that I've taken over the years, like I started in high school and I went, you know, to Mexico and built a house. Mm-hmm. And as I got older and did different kinds of trips, they became more about just going and spending time with people mm-hmm. or going to new culture and, and basically kind of what it would look like from the outside is like, we're just hanging out with mm-hmm. people and we're talking to them and that um, it, it almost is like a weird cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. because it seems so much less active. Like you're not actually accomplishing things because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have a house at the end of a trip to, or, you know, half of a house because mm-hmm. you're 15 and you don't know how to build a house mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go on a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually 
way more valuable um, to the people you're serving and to the people who are on the trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember on the Mexico house building thing um, when it switched for me because, you know, I'd grown up doing um, pretty annual several times a year, sometimes trips to Mexico to build homes Mm -hmm. and, you know, through high school. And then I came back as a leader when I was a college student. And I remember the year that I just looked at it and was like, this, this isn't okay that we're like handing over the keys at the end of the trip and Mm -hmm. saying like, here's what we built for you, a bunch of high school students. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning of that trip, um, a couple of us leaders, we just decided we were not going to do anything. Um, it's kind of the not about us without us idea, Mm -hmm. like that we wouldn't do anything that was for someone about someone without, um, being with them. And so, it was, um, you know, the man of the house was teaching us how to spackle and teaching us how to lay the cement. And we were doing it side by side. And then at the end, instead of the traditional like key ceremony of like, look what we have done. And, you know, mm-hmm. here's your building that we have made and with our little high school hands, um, <laughs> we had, you know, more of like, would you bless us and bless this home together, you know, with the leaders, uh, with the, the man of the house and so it was it was a, a good shift for me um, just as a younger person to see like this is not creating the kind of um, empowerment like instead of creating the dependencies like mm-hmm. what does it look like to allow for that empowerment and mutuality and sharing and uh, and leveling the playing field of not like us and them and we're that we only come as the givers and you only are here as the receivers mm-hmm. um, but the mutual two way of giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now I'd like to kind of talk about what short-term trips are really good at. What are Mm -hmm. some of the, the positives that they, that they provide? Mm -hmm. And one that has sort of been mentioned by both of us is that they are accessible for Mm -hmm. people. It's kind of, they're the, the first way most people get involved in global missions. Mm -hmm. Now, now that kind of short-term trips are not just a year long and there Mm -hmm. may be like a week or two Mm -hmm. weeks, more people now than ever are kind of able to, to be involved Mm -hmm. in stuff that's happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. And one, one aspect that comes from that is that people become advocates Mm -hmm. for, for missions in general, but but also for specific communities where they feel a connection Mm -hmm. um, or an attachment um, so how have you seen people who have had a, an experience on a short-term trip, how have you seen them come back home and kind of maybe raise mm-hmm. the banners for mm-hmm. missions that mm-hmm. wouldn't have occurred to them mm-hmm. to do before? Yeah. I think that has to be the intention that is set from the very beginning, even before recruitment that like we are going on this trip with the intention that at the end you are an ambassador. Like basically you can't come if you're not committed to mm-hmm. that. And like setting that really high bar of this is what you're signing up for. A, you're signing up for an entire, at Simpson, we had an entire eight months of a discipleship process before they ever even hit the ground. They would sign up in October. We would walk them through the whole, you know, rest of that semester and the following semester of team meetings and like some really intentional leadership training, cross-cultural development, and then they would spend their summers. And so it was, it was a high commitment Mm -hmm. and they knew, I think at the beginning, I know that, yeah, we 
taught them this and whether they really got it, you know, until, but that all the way along, they knew that there was, you are now becoming an advocate for Thailand. You are, this isn't a, a summer experience. This is a part of your formation and your, um, your college age, personal development growth, but mm -hmm. it's also with the anticipation that as you come back, you are, someone that is going to yeah wave that banner and um, mm -hmm. and we had actually most of our team leaders had to have been on um, that trip or like to that country the year before mm -hmm. and so they couldn't lead a team to Thailand without having gone as a participant mm -hmm. first and so that just added to the you know partnership feeling instead of the I'll go here one year and here the next and here the next yeah it um that just kind of shows that even though someone may go to a place for a shorter amount of time, there it's still possible to have long relationships and commitments to different mm -hmm. parts of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and even if someone goes on a short trip, the organization that they go with or the church that they go with, it's part of a larger narrative mm -hmm. and a longer relationship that just because it might be three weeks to you, mm -hmm. it's not just three weeks to the people that live there. Mm -hmm. um, Man, and what an impact when they see the same faces over and over again year after year and know mm -hmm. that it's not just like some yeah random new group every time that they have to like do the show for or whatever. That, that it's, it's a, and I think how sweet if they also can come this direction. And mm -hmm. one, one of the filters that I've had in just determining if a trip um, or like kind of the way I want to be a part of a trip is, you know, what would it look like for someone from wherever the over there is um, to come and have a team from there, you know, say it's a wealthy team of high school students from the United Arab Emirates, like what would it feel like for them to come to my church here? And mm -hmm. what how what kind of posture would I want them to have? What kind of um, activities would I want them to do? What would I want to expose them to about my culture and my food? And mm -hmm. what would feel weird about them, you know, taking pictures of my family or, you know, my streets and my, you know, how, how do I want them to talk about my clothes and things like that's, it, if it doesn't apply there, it yeah, it should apply in the same places the same way. Mm -hmm. So using that as a, a filter, yeah, a lens. Mm -hmm. That's kind of funny that you bring that up because I just remember that whenever I was in high school, every summer there was a group, like a youth group. I don't know where they were from, somewhere around the country. They were Americans, but they would come to my city mm -hmm. and do um, like outreaches there. Like mm -hmm. we were their mission trip, mm -hmm. <laughs> which made me think a lot about <laughs> what kind of yeah, trips did what. How does it feel what? to be on that end? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really, it was really weird because I would be in my high school and I would see like all their little bags lined up somewhere. They were all staying at the school and eating in the cafeteria. I'm like, this is, this is just where I live. Mm. Um, this is yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. And then people out doing kind of VBS stuff or manual labor or yard work. And I, I just remember thinking like, Oh, I feel like that's just what we're supposed to be doing. Mm, like mm -hmm. we have, like I am part of a church here mm -hmm. and, and we do stuff like that too. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a weird mix of like a little indignant. Mm. Like we don't, we don't need people to come in and do stuff for us. But, but then are we doing that? But then are <laughs> yeah. we doing it? So it's a little humbling mm -hmm. to see people kind of look and be like, oh yeah, like they could use some Jesus over there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. oh, well we must... I was be doing something mm -hmm. right, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so looking at 
the the larger picture and knowing that there are definitely negative outcomes and there there are bad things that can happen and get done on short-term trips mm-hmm. there are lot, lots of good that can happen too mm-hmm. so overall what is what is our response to the short-term trips do we just mm-hmm. stop do we put a hold on it until we figure it all out mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm okay with a little bit of healthy fear maybe a lot of healthy fear on like really, what are we doing? What is, what is the risk? You know, there's, there's a high risk. There's a high, um, yeah, sense of this needing to count. It needs to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm okay with some healthy, maybe it, you know, you don't go this year, you go next. Cause it's going to take that long to figure out what you're actually doing and why. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't think that it's ever going to stop. I don't think that short-term missions necessarily should stop. I think, there are some really bad ways to go, but mm-hmm. there's, um, I have kind of three ideas for, um, just proposing some different ways of doing, even just not calling a lot of our trips short-term missions because I don't know if they qualify even. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there still value in going? Um, and so one idea we're actually doing in New York city this summer, um, a high school culture camp, we're calling it. Mm. So having high schoolers from around the U S come and stay in the city. Um, it's, you know, home in the sense that it's in the U S but it's, you know, we have so many cultures around us. So, um, we're partnering with three different unreached people groups in New York city, um, Arabs in Brooklyn, West Africans in Harlem, Tibetans in Queens. And we're putting these students in those locations to do some really even like culture mapping and ethnography stuff, but also give them training and tools in the mornings. And then they're um, using them in the afternoons, prayer walking and doing some questionnaires and, um, and then all, all along the way with the intention that they're learning how this can be done in their own communities, what what is it like um, for the immigrants that are coming into your communities and um, we're taking them to a mosque and a temple, things like that mm-hmm. just for educational purposes. But I think that, you know, we're never going to call it a short-term mission trip. It's not. Um, mm-hmm. And then another idea as well is kind of the pilgrimage. I think that that's sort of resurrecting. I went to the Camino de Santiago this summer. It's um, the long walk in Spain where you um, are walking to a cathedral, but you it's many, many days of just a, um, a lot of, yeah, formational kinds of things. You're mm-hmm. thinking, praying as you walk. You're meeting fellow pilgrims from all around the world. Um, so could we frame some some of these trips in pilgrimage sense, like where this is about what God is doing in us internally and um, and yet, yeah, there is the culture piece, there is the adventure and exciting, but mm-hmm. it's a, a personal pilgrimage. And we do hope and pray that God gives us people to minister to and walk alongside with sometimes literally um, along the way. But um, yeah, sometimes I think just the phrase even short-term mission trip needs to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just what I was thinking while you're talking about the the high school experience you're doing this summer, um, you know, not only is, is international missions more accessible for most people now, but even reframing it in that sense, it's like you can engage in global missions, you know, relatively close to home. Mm-hmm. Now you mm-hmm. can put yourselves in new cultures and go mm-hmm. in with kind of listening and learning postures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's definitely a part of missions, whether 
you end up overseas or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been just meditating a bit more on it's in Matthew 10, Luke 9 and 10, Mark 6, the stories of Jesus sending his disciples out mm-hmm. on, you know, their kind of first ministry experience from what we can tell, where he sends them out in his authority. He gives them power to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to do what Jesus was doing. And, you know, to take very little, to rely on the hospitality of others, stay in people's homes. Like it's a really clear picture of um, paving the way for what Jesus was going to come and do in those towns later. And Mm -hmm. the disciples were, um, yeah, just preparing the way and doing pretty supernatural things. And I think we've lost a lot of that, like the supernatural aspects of, um, yeah, we're not announcing the kingdom as if it's never God is already in the places that we're going. But Mm -hmm. what would it look like if we had some more training and practice in um, praying for the sick and, um, you know, deliverance from demonic powers? And uh, yeah, I think that there is a lot more room for that and to follow Jesus's model. So you've you've kind of mentioned a lot over our conversation about how training before going overseas or going on a trip um, can kind of like make or break the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So if you could give just like a couple either resources or pieces of advice Mm -hmm. for people um, who might be looking to go overseas, what would you say to them in order to kind of protect themselves Mm -hmm. from maybe this volunteerism kind of attitude Mm -hmm. or if someone's worried about going in and doing harm or creating mm-hmm. kind of uh, dependency cycles or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I've always worked really closely with the people on the ground and kind of had the mentality of waiting to be invited and letting them really set the parameters of who they wanted and when and, you know, the guy girl mix, the gift mix, the, mm-hmm. you know, different skills that were needed, things that Like we weren't going to tell them like we want to come in July and bring 10 people and, Mm -hmm. you know, here's who we have. But to let that be completely driven by the partners on the field. And I've primarily worked with Westerners, but who have lived in those contexts for some time Mm -hmm. um, just for their expertise. And, you know, but I know that Uncharted also works with local Mm -hmm. people. And so, again, still like keep putting it on them. Like you frame the trip, you plan our days, you tell me what you need, who you want me to bring. We're not going to come in and say, this is what we want to do. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's um, really crucial. And then letting the team members know um, whatever they say goes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I had the phrase of the missionary is always right. Like, even if they're not right, they are (laughs) right. Like we will have that like, yes, how high, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to pick people that are going to adhere to that. And, that, yeah, I don't think it's a come one, come all, especially a lot of our trips need to be really, really carefully selective and, um, and, and set that intention before them from the very beginning that, um, like our, I went to Uganda with a team of college students and for three weeks we were only allowed to bring like two or three outfits. And Mm -hmm. what that did was it made us just count the cost a little more Mm -hmm. and realize like, 
And we got to wash our clothes with the ladies every couple of days. And mm -hmm. they're, yeah, I think some people will self-select out if they know the kind of sacrifice that is going to be required of them and the expectations following up and the training beforehand. I think all of that just raises the bar more. Mm -hmm. So we can't be afraid to do that, to raise the bar pretty high because we know that there is, you know, a cost and that we don't want to do this kind of haphazardly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think this is maybe like the fourth time I've said this this time, but it, <laughs> it always ends up coming back to long relationships mm -hmm. um, because you can't have trips like this that are successful without a lot of trust between people on the ground and people who are going. Um, trust the people will be honest with you and they mm -hmm. say like, this is what we need. This is the kind of trip if you're going to come here that mm -hmm. you should have. And there there is kind of a lot of sacrifice that, most people, even if they are fully engaged and on a trip, um, don't don't maybe realize that it's probably been years of work to even just get to the first, you know, first small group of people who can go over and really engage and become a part of that community mm -hmm. too. And then just to to wrap up maybe a little bit, for people who have gone on a trip and come back, what is something that you would recommend for people who would like to remain engaged in global missions if they can't travel as much or mm. after they come back from an experience, uh, what can they do so it doesn't just remain an experience that they mm -hmm. had once and kind of mm -hmm. becomes more of an ongoing part of their life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I live in a really global city. So basically anywhere I could travel to in the world, I could probably find that people group in mm -hmm. New York. Um, and so I know that that's less likely in some places, but I think just to, to recognize, like if you fall in love with, you know, Thailand, I'll keep using that, but that there are Thai people that might be around you or even, you know, mm -hmm. to keep practicing the little phrases that you've learned on anyone who looks Thai or, you know, like, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just, um, I've tried to, you know, stay up on news or, um, things that just keep that country, that um, you know, if you, if you say you loved Thailand, then continue to love it in all aspects of the follow, follow up and with people, you know, never, ever make commitments to keep in touch with people if you aren't actually going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think that for me, when I am international, I read my Bible really differently, like just seeing things in scripture that, the way Jesus did things or the disciples. And so, yeah, wanting to take that lens of reading scripture and read it, continuing um, to process through the things that you saw in another place. I went to a conference recently, Heart for Muslims, and I heard a speaker talk about um, just being told he was a, an international worker and being told by some of his friends local friends, um, there's something really different about you. You actually need us. Like we're, we mm -hmm. feel like you're a true friend because I think he, he needed them for something really significant, like even financial maybe. And so just this mutuality of, um, of being needed, um, that the people felt like that means you're a true friend, that mm -hmm. there's, um, the gift of being able to be hospitable, that we could provide that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And so for, for them to be able to be the more blessed in, 
in the giving and us mm-hmm. receiving. And I think sometimes, especially short-term teams, have a hard time being able to accept gifts and accept the fact that, you know, when we're in someone's home and they are serving us lavishly, like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually that that prevents them from the blessing of um, giving hospitality and, and the mutuality of, no, this is a, an interdependence. And uh, yeah, I think that that's a really significant thing for not creating the dependency mm-hmm. is that we would have um, the ability to receive hospitality, the ability to receive gifts. And um, yeah, one of my friends, um, I was talking to him about something and he said, like, when you aren't willing to be vulnerable with somebody mm-hmm. or kind of share your needs and thoughts. You're, you're denying them the gift of being generous or mm-hmm. being understanding. Um, and that it kind of changed the way I think about my friendships, but even th- putting it into missions context, it's like, if you're not willing to be honest and open about some, some hardships or even just like you're, you're tired that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you might feel like you don't want to be a burden to somebody, but in doing that, you're kind of taking away opportunities for them to, to experience, you know, generosity and hospitality, um, which are gifts from God. Mm -hmm. One thing we did at Simpson also for training was we tested them pretty significantly. We had a, a 48 hour training weekend where they fasted, well, 30 hours of fasting, um, kind of after the 30 hour famine world vision, but, mm. um, they fasted for 30 hours. So they were hungry. They were grumpy. <laughs> we put them through some pretty difficult scenarios, a lot of like experiential kind of, um, like they had to go through an airport, um, where they were yelled at and like we created this whole, um, yeah, airport kind of scene and taxis drove them around campus. And, you know, we just did some, like put them under a lot of pressure. They, most of them, the teams were kind of fighting at some point along the way, but they did that Mm -hmm. before they ever even went on the field. (laughs) And so we got to like work through some of those hard things. We got to see them at their worst. Um, They saw each other at their worst. The leaders were majorly put on, you know, stress. Mm -hmm. And so how are the leaders going to respond? And so I think, yeah, and a couple of teams even said like, that training weekend was harder than our trip ever was (laughs) or like the fasting. Um, we had them actually fast from different things for, um, 21 days before that too. So like Mm. they fasted from water for a day, fasted from wearing shoes. You know, we were on a college campus, uh, fast from electricity, all those things. And so something different every day. And I remember a team, I think it was in, in Indonesia. They said that pretty much every single one of those fasts, they experienced on the field. So they, that wasn't the first time that they'd ever gone without water uh-huh. or that they'd ever, you know, gone without electricity for a couple of days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as much as we can, again, like I can't overemphasize the high calling um, that we're expecting them and not just to come one, come all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And understanding that it is a trip where you are going to serve people mm-hmm. um, and experience hardships and it's not, um, just if you go in with the expectation of having a good time mm-hmm. and meeting a bunch of people that you are excited about and taking a lot of cool pictures, it's just not going to make the same kind of impact. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming. It was great talking to you. Um, and I really appreciate all of the uh, wisdom and insight you have on this. It was great to be here. <laughs> Thank you.
Emily, I think it's really great that we had the opportunity to have Sarah as part of this podcast that you got to interview her. And I appreciate that listeners had the opportunity to, to hear her expertise um, that comes from a lot of experience, that comes from a lot of education and training. Mm-hmm. Uncharted is first and foremost about, you know, focused on reaching unreached places and people groups and helping catalyze church planting movements and discipleship multiplication. So I'll admit on the one hand that our our main priority isn't to be a short-term sending agency. But at the same time, we have a high value to mobilize people. We have a high value to send short-term trips, to send even long-term workers. And so we, we want to engage in that, but we want to engage in it in a way that's healthy and in a way that it is done well. And we're certainly not perfect, and there's always room for improvement and things that we can be doing better. But personally, I'm really thankful for people like Sarah who are part of our leadership, and there's others as well, whether they're part of the Uncharted board or Uncharted staff or even just key influencers and voices that are helping ensure that when we do send short-term trips over, we are doing them well. Mm -hmm. We are doing them in ways that express the values and the principles that you and Sarah talked about. Um, so I'm glad that listeners got a chance to hear from her and get a taste for just some of the quality leadership that's helping lead this movement forward. So mm-hmm. thanks for taking the time to include her in this podcast. It was great. I was really glad I was able to sit down and talk to her because a lot of her um, research has actually informed the earlier episodes as well. She had sent me tons of information um, and some of her writing that I was able to use to help form just even the the content for the two mm. earlier podcasts. So she has been kind of speaking into it even before she was literally speaking into it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So my friends, may this reality begin to sink into our hearts and minds and shape the way that you live. That God's mission goes way beyond activity. It is actually the core of our identity. Whether his mission takes you to your neighborhood, your place of employment, your community, your nation, or the ends of the world, your identity is that of a sent one. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As a follower of Jesus, that is who you are. You are sent in the power of the Spirit. You are sent with the companionship of the Son, and you are sent for the glory of the Father. Let us live out this identity in a posture of humility, learning from others and submitting ourselves to their needs. Let us value the importance of relationships. That long-term, others-centered relationships are the basis for missional impact. Let us remember that this isn't about us. It's not about our need to feel good, to build out our social media presence, or provide some excuse to travel the world. It's about the kingdom of God being present on earth as it is in heaven. Let us go boldly, carefully observing all that God has taught us, making disciples and living out our identity as witnesses of God's love and the hope of the gospel.